Hello, hello, hello. I know you guys may be wondering who is this person? I am not used to seeing this person on a Tuesday night, but some of you may be familiar with me. My name is Keisha Bailey. I'm a financial strategist and CEO of Profit Jumpstarter. I'm also an analyst here on Taking Stock, so you guys would have seen me already. The regular viewers, you guys would know me. Kalila is away on business, and so I'm going to be filling in for her tonight. So let's welcome everyone to another edition of Taking Stock Live. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you exactly how it will affect you and your money. Don't forget to head over to Kalila's website, kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter once this live has ended to get our newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. So where is everyone joining us from tonight? Drop it in the chat. Let me know which part of the country, which part of the world you are watching from tonight. And of course, hit up the like button, share this video with a friend so that as many persons as possible can join in and learn about money. Now, here's what's coming up on tonight's show, followed by what's hot in business. Come on, let's get this money. Jamaica's inflation rate has been slowing for the past two months, and the country's unemployment rate has hit a new historical low. Wow! Director General at the Statistical Institute of Jamaica, Statin, Carol Coy, will join us. And the analysts weigh on the latest market developments. Trans-Jamaican Highway's first quarter results for the period ending March 31 are out. How did they perform? And Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark has tabled a bill to further reduce the import duty on electric vehicles from 30% to 10% and to eliminate license fees on EVs for five years. We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. The Jamaica Public Service and the National Water Commission will have to pay out some $53 million to customers for breaches of their guaranteed standards. The guaranteed standards are minimum service agreements between the Office of Utilities Regulation and the utility companies to ensure value to customers. According to the OUR, the breaches occurred between January and March this year. The regulator said that roughly $45 million has already been applied as a credit to affected customers' bills. The remaining $8.1 million, attributable to NWC, was not paid as claim forms were not submitted by the affected customers. The OUR said that JPS reported over 20,000 breaches during the January to March quarter, totaling $43.8 million. Compensation to customers was automatically applied to their accounts. The NWC's guaranteed standards breaches increased by 120%, totaling a potential payout of approximately $9.6 million. Dollar Financial Services will be seeking to raise an additional $1 billion on the bond market. The company's board of directors has approved the move. Dollar made history on the Jamaica Stock Exchange early this year, receiving $5 billion in subscriptions for its junior market initial public offer. This was 10 times the company's ask of $500 million. The company's net profits also surged for the six months ending June 30. Dollar recorded net profits of over $119 million, up from $20 million for the same period in 2021. The much-anticipated Jamaican Tees spin-off is expected to be up and running by early 2023. Jamaican Tees is known for its popular Caribbean Dreams brand. It also manufactures Tetley Tees under license. The company says it intends to separate its manufacturing assets into a new company, Caribbean Dreams Food. At the company's recent annual general meeting, Chairman John Jackson told investors that the company is seeking approval from the owners of the Tetley brand to transfer the assets, which has resulted in some delays. Jackson said that clearance is expected by the new financial year. He said a Caribbean Dreams Food initial public offer is likely to be sometime after the assets have been transferred. 
Twitter scored its first win against billionaire Elon Musk over his decision to withdraw his bid to buy the company. Last week, a U.S. judge ruled that Twitter's lawsuit against Musk over their $44 billion U.S. dollar acquisition agreement should go to a five-day trial in October. Musk had originally offered to pay $54 U.S. dollars 20 cents per share to purchase the company, but decided to back out after he said Twitter was not being transparent about the number of fake accounts. Despite Musk's moves to terminate the deal, Twitter's board said it is committed to closing the merger. The company invited shareholders to vote on the deal at a special meeting on an undisclosed date and time later this year. What's Heart was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. All right, welcome back to Taking Stock. Let's see where we are all joining from. Debbie Cool from New York, up and ready. Nice, welcome, Debbie. LeVar, KRM and Profit Jumpstart, and let's get this money. Mandible checking in, like and share, of course. Thank you, LeVar. Ramoy Roberts coming in from St. Thomas, heavy showers but we're unstoppable of course let's get this money ramoy all right kish lindsay welcome 120 a.m you are dedicated for sure you're dedicated <laughs> super dedicated so thank you for being here you show up no matter what kellyanne core good night money makers let's get this money checking in from the suburbs of clarendon very nice Atlanta, Georgia, Anne-Marie, welcome. You're checking in. Let's get this money. Toronto in the house, the six. Represent, represent. As you guys know, I'm joining in from Canada. So Toronto in the house, welcome. And TT in the house. Nice, Lilabeth Innes. Welcome, welcome. Getting this money all the way from Portmore for sure. Mark Hugh Spence, welcome. And my namesake. Keisha Bailey. I am here. Welcome, Keisha. All right. So inflation has slowed for the past two months and Jamaica's unemployment rate has hit a new historical low. Wow. Can you imagine that? So we are going to be speaking with the Director General at the Statistical Institute of Jamaica, Statin, Carol Coy, about these findings. Hi, Carol. Welcome to Taking Stock Live. Hi, Nisha. Thanks Very for having me. Very good to have you. Thank you for joining us here tonight. So we are going to be talking about the inflation numbers first. Mm -hmm. And of course, we can't talk about inflation in Jamaica without talking about what's happening with inflation numbers in the U.S. Because, you know, if the U.S. sneezes, we catch a cold in Jamaica. In the US, inflation is at a 40-year high as at June, and that's driven by record high gas prices. How worried should Jamaicans be about this impacting us? Okay, well, for us at Statin, we don't tend to look at um, figures in that way because it's usually government has its, what did we call its agencies that do analysis. But usually for Jamaica, a significant portion of what we use, the goods and services that we use sometimes are imported, the goods mainly. And so if our main market, which is the US, if prices are rising and rising worldwide, then I expect that it will translate in Jamaica for you to have um, high prices. And we would have seen this in the group, which we call food and non-alcoholic beverages, where imported raw materials would have impacted the price of these goods. Yeah, for sure. And so even in the US, the odds of a recession, you see it all over the, the news there that, you know, recession odds are increasing. It's actually now over 50%. Is this likely to impact our inflation rate by a spillover or anything like that? Yes, if there is a spillover, because if there's going to be increased prices in the US, the probability is that it will impact Jamaica. It's a central bank that tends to monitor the impact of those um, activity on the Jamaican economy. For us at Statin, we tend to just measure what is happening here and we will give the figures to the analysts for them to do some analysis 
of what is impacting the inflation rate. Yeah, so let, let's dig into the inflation numbers. As I said, what what really has driven up inflation so high in the first place? Was it gas prices? What exactly was the, the cost for us in Jamaica? Okay, so in June, where the inflation rate was 0.8%, the inflation was driven mainly by the largest group in the CPI, which is food and non-alcoholic beverages. And what you would have seen is that a number of the groups in this, so for example, oils and fats um, would have gone up by 2.5%. Um, and this is month over month. Um, cereals would have gone up by 1.9%. Um, vegetables, cooking bananas, which is one of the big drivers on the Jamaican um, inflation rate went up by 2.2%. So the big driver was actually food and non-alcoholic beverages. Transport, which has fuel, grew by 0.9%. But what I need to point out is that the inflation is also impacted by items that have weight. A significant weight in the transport um, division is things like bus and taxi fares. And this did not go up during the month. If you were to look at the what we call the point-to-point, -point, which is June over the June of the previous year, then the inflation rate went up by 10.9%. And here we would have seen food again having an impact. Um, transport again, in this you will see the impact of transport here. But the real driver here was the um, increase in tax affairs that we had in August. Um, ironically, though, the group which we call housing, water, electricity, gas, and fuels, where we have electricity, that actually declined um, during the period. All right, so when we look at inflation trends over time, back in April, point-to-point -point inflation, which is inflation from April of 2021 to April 2022, that point-to-point -point inflation was 11.8%. Mm -hmm. But then when we come to May and the June point-to-point -point numbers, those are around 10.9%, as you said. Yeah. What's behind now the increase over time in these point-to-point -point inflation numbers? Well, as I said, we are comparing June over June of last year. There's a number of things that have happened. One, as I said, was the, um, the, the transport would have moved up and food and non-alcoholic beverages. What also went up significantly over that point to point was what we call um, the eating establishments. And what you would have found a number of, especially fast food um, meals went up significant during that period. And this would have impacted the, um, the inflation rate. All right, so as we look then, fast food <laughs> prices gone up, we were paying mm -hmm. more there. But let's examine now the food and the non-alcoholic beverages, that segment. Are you okay. seeing where those numbers have been coming down? Can we expect at some point to get relief in food prices or is it likely that it's going to continue going Okay. Higher? All right, those groups are impacted heavily by vegetables and what we call um, root crops, bananas. These groups are impacted quite significantly by weather conditions. So what we find is when weather conditions are um, good, then what you will see is and the supply of these goods on the market will increase. And once that supply starts going up, then prices will go down. So for this group, particularly those heavy-weighted vegetable um, and bananas, root crops, what we find is that it's the weather conditions that tend to impact those movements. So it depends on what happens um, within the group. Yes, there would have been some impact caused by, because, you know, fertilizer prices went up on the international market. So there would be some impact on that. But the weather conditions that you have, whether it's drought or whether it's heavy rains, these tend to have some impact on, um, on, on those crops. 
All right, so let's, we have a question coming in from O'Shane. I guess he's now tying interest rates from the BOJ with the inflation mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. Would you say that the BOJ increasing interest rates, that is working? Are we seeing that in the inflation numbers? All right, so at starting, we do not look at those impacts. I think it's the central bank that would have to do some analysis of that. What we measure is what exactly is happening. So um, the the inflation rate so far um, is still remaining high. So what we'll see, I presume, towards the latter part of the year is if this is working. Because what you would see is the impact on the inflation rate itself. So we, we wait to see what, yes. the, numbers, exactly. what the trend is, will, will come out to be later on in the year. And then, as I said, the proof is in the pudding. We we'll wait and to see the, the numbers. So let's switch a little over to total imports and we'll talk about those numbers because mm -hmm. january to march of this year total imports increased to mm -hmm. increase by 38.7 percent mm -hmm. and so we're importing around us 1.8 billion dollars worth of imports but exports have been declining and exports are now at us 340 million so we're importing way way more than we are exporting. And at the same time, imports are going up while exports are decreasing. Why is this so? Okay, on the import side, this is where you see the impact of what is happening on the world market. Um, oil prices have been going up significantly. And Jamaica, the oil bill is a significant part of our imports. So, um, we don't have the figures for the volumes as yet, but when we look at it, it's the, it's the price of oil on the market that is driving the, the, the significant growth in the imports of oil. So this is where you will see the impact. Um, this is the first set of information coming out of statin that you can definitely see the impact of what is happening on the world market. When it comes to export, one of our largest exports is aluminum. And because of um, the shutdown in a number of the alumina plants, you had the fire at um, Jamalco last year, exports of alumina has, um, have declined significantly. And that is what has impacted the lower import figures. So then we have a situation, I, I see here, <laughs> Jay Simpson saying the trade deficit is insane. It is very, it's a wide trade deficit. Is there any way to flip the script? I know the imports going up is oil prices. You're saying that's really the driver behind that. But can we flip the script? Is there any way to think about Grand Jamaica and any possible way to push exports higher? Okay. Um, one of the things I think we need to realize, there are some countries where the, um, the balance of goods is always going to be on the negative side because you're going to import um, significantly more. What happens in Jamaica, we have to take into account the imports and exports of goods and services. It's when you take into account services that you will see um, the balance of trade um, getting looking better. Because one of our biggest exports, because we have to realize that you can export goods and you can export services. You can import goods and services. Um, for the Jamaican economy, it's the exports of services that I think is, is, is the largest part of our export. Goods, given the size of the economy, I don't see us at any point um, reaching a point where our exports of goods will be rivaling our imports of, of, of goods. So for an, an economy such as us, it's where you look at the services, got the services side. And remember now the Jamaican economy is expanding into services with you have the BPOs, and it's on the tourism side that you will see this big driver in exports. So let's probably break it down a bit more so we really understand. When we talk about imports, what are the top five imports coming in to the country between that January to March period? Okay, I think we break it down into what we call end use. So um, there's raw material and intermediate goods, which is what they, um, the manufacturers, the agricultural sector, um, the mining sector would use. We also, because I don't have those figures um, on me immediately, 
then you will have um, fuels, um, which is where you have crude oil and you have the finished goods um, that we also import and consumer goods, which is a significant portion also. So in consumer goods, um, there's also food um, and beverages that we import. We import things like our appliances. We import a number of items that we use in the home. If you think about, um, um, what should I say? Um, you know, tissue, paper towels, we import a lot of those items. So those are the items that, that would impact the, um, on the import side. So what about capital goods, cars? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that in the top five? Um, yes. Um, I think it's more capital goods because we break it down into capital goods. Um, transport equipment is, is, is a, in a separate category by itself. And um, so capital goods is where the, the goods, the capital goods that I've, that firms or businesses import so that they can carry on their businesses. So those would be the groups where you would see the biggest importing. And so uh, where, which exactly, which countries are top five trading partners? Where are we getting these imports from? Okay, so the imports, um, it's the USA is obviously our top importer. Yeah. And then um, our oil, I think, um, I think if I remember clearly, because I don't have that on me, um, I think Brazil is in there where we would be importing some of, some of these items. Um, those figures I don't have um, on, on me, but I know what the about, U.S. The U.S. is our top trading partner. What about China? Because we know everybody says made in China, <laughs> made in China. Are we importing a lot of these made in China products? Yes, there will be. Um, China would be one of our major importers. But yeah. as I know, the U.S. is far outweighs is our largest importer. And then, as we flip it around to greater understand this trade deficit. What are we exporting? Because I see the comments coming in our own exports and we can take a few of those. What are our top five exports? Okay, so our top exports would obviously be um, at this point in the past when alumina was being exported significantly, alumina and bauxite and alumina would be our top exports. Now what we find is um, the manufacturing industry is a top exporter and it's the petroleum products because we do export refined petroleum products and this is the largest export um, in the manufacturing and then we also have um, exports of food where you would have things like yams tinned aki um, sauces so these are some of the items that we um, we export out of the agriculture and as usual um, rum would also be an important export item um, for Jamaica. The wrong, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Let's look at some some questions here. How about the tourism and the service numbers? Where do those show up in the export figures? Okay. So, the statin is responsible for doing exports and imports of goods. It's a central bank that does the import and exports of services. And those you will find in the balance of payments um, report that the central bank puts out. So Statin does not uh, provide information on the imports and exports of services. All right. And then let, let's link it back now to factories because LeVar um, Henry is saying, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like we need to start focusing on getting the factories reopened. Can that help to assist to, to minimize the trade deficit? Well, if those factories are focused on exports, because we could open up the factories and they are producing mainly for the domestic market. So these would have to be factories that are focused on the export market, which would, um, which would improve our exports. Yeah, for sure. And then Javon Russell is saying, when is it projected that the growth of the economy will be felt on the individual level? I guess Javon not feeling it. <laughs> so, uh, he's not feeling it on that um, individual level. Okay. As, um, I, as I said before, statin measures um, basically what has happened. So the historical information. Um, the forecasting is done by the Planning Institute and the Central Bank. Statin does not get into that field of work. So I would not be able to comment on that. 
And then uh, Roswell Campbell is asking around the data behind the export items. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can go a little bit deeper to talk about now the export partners, because we know who we're importing from. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the export partners. What would be our top three or four export um, partners? I think um, the um, the it's the U.S. again would be our top exporter. And the Netherlands is also a top exporter because of the alumina that we send to, um, to these countries. So those are the two main ones. Um, I don't have the others on me. It's something I would have to, um, to research that information. But I know the US, again, is our top exporter and the Netherlands because of the export of alumina to that country. And how about Canada? The, the great white doors. Yeah, lots of Jamaican products here. Does Canada factor into that top I, three or four? I don't think so. I don't remember Canada being in the top um, five countries of ex for exports. All right. I, we have Cleaning Tricks White saying Jamaica has been operating with a trade deficit for many decades. <laughs> when is it when is it going to happen or what's going to happen over the next five years to change that? I guess we we'll probably break into two parts. Can we change that? And what needs to happen if we can change that? I don't see um, the trade in goods. I don't see us given the size of our economy and economies of scale. I don't see it moving on the good side. Um, the probability, if you were to have an improvement in your balance of, of trade, um, it would have to be on the services side, since the largest exports are from the services side. All right, so let's move on to our unemployment numbers. Okay. Another big macro variable. So the unemployment rate is 6% right now. Yeah as at April, which is a historical low. We're moving in the right direction. So let's talk a bit more about this. Can we say more people are going out getting jobs? What exactly is happening behind these numbers? Okay, so um, statin does not measure jobs. So, because um, one person can have more than one job. Um, what mm -hmm. we measure is the number of persons that are employed. And for you to be employed, you, have to be actively looking for a job or if a job comes along then you will accept it one of the things we have to realize is that sometimes there are persons who um do not particularly want to work they don't want to work so even if a job comes along so they would not be included in the labor force so the labor force um what we have found is the number of persons employed has gone up 5.2 when we compare it to April, to, sorry, to April of 2021. Um, so, so that is what is, is, is driving it. And it's mainly what we found is female employment that is going up. Female employment went up by 6.2%, while male employment went up by 4.5%. All right, so the, the females out there representing. <laughs> when we look at these numbers, though, and we talk about pandemic, everybody's saying, you know, outside, I keep we're heading back out. Is it safe to say that the pandemic is no longer affecting our unemployment numbers? Um, well, I can't say that because I'm not sure if all industries have gone back at the time when we did this survey. But what I can say is that there's an improvement because you would have realized in, 20, in the all labor force surveys that we did in 2020 and early 2021, would have seen the unemployment rate going back up um, from what it was in 2019, because a number of industries had closed down with the, um, with the closing of the borders, the hotel and restaurant industry went down significantly. So what you find is that these industries are coming back on stream and so this is why you would have some significant improvement over um, in the employed figures compared to April of 2021. And so is it that we're seeing those specific industry groups? That's where we're seeing the numbers. Yes. Go? Yes. So what would have happened is that, well, the largest increase actually in industries was in the 
what we call real estate and other business services. And here is where you find the BPOs. And so you find increases in that. Construction, and we can know the construction industry has actually been um, improving even it went down, I think, in the early stages of COVID, but it has maintained its 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 stance. Um, the accommodation and food services industry went up by eleven thousand four hundred. The real estate renting went up by twenty one thousand three hundred, and the construction by fourteen thousand five hundred. So these are the three top industries where we see the employment growth. All right, so we're moving along well, that's good. So Damian Reed is asking, is there any data on the number of unemployed persons who are not seeking employment and is there an upward or downward trend in these figures? Okay, so um, if you are not seeking unemployment, we would not call you, uh, if you're not seeking employment, we wouldn't call you an unemployed person because um, there are what we call um, methodologies and definitions that we follow so if you're actually not seeking a job and even if you're not actively seeking and someone offers you a job then you would not be taking it and you have these like retired persons um who don't need a job or persons um who are at home um they're comfortable they have something to, to live off so they're not seeking job these are persons that we call outside the labor force and the outside the labor force has actually declined because there are persons who are moving into the labor force. So the persons outside the labor force went down in April. And we think about possibly the exporting jobs. Javon Russell is saying, are we as a country tapping into the export market to the full potential? Because he's believing this can be a major booster for the local economy. Okay, so we do not measure exports of jobs, so we would not know. Because our survey is basically going to households um, to ask them if they are employed. So that is not an indicator that we measure. We can probably drill into employed, the actual definition of employed. Is it looking for a job, have a part-time, full-time? What exactly yes. does employed mean according okay. to study? Okay, so we have a reference week. So usually when we go out in the field, we're talking about. And during the reference week, if you worked at least one hour during that reference week, then we consider you as employed. All right, so that is that is clear. One week reference. So let's talk about the census. I know it's coming up, and why exactly are we doing a census, and why is it important to do one, or even is it important to have a census done? Okay, all countries around the world. I mean, a census. A censuses have been going on for years. We remember um, when Jesus was born. Um, Joseph and his family actually went to do a census. So if you are going to make decisions as a country, if you are going to, if your country is going to develop, you need to have an idea as to what is happening to your population. Um, you can't make informed decisions if you don't know um, persons are living, where they are living, um, their educational status, um, the, the type of houses they are living in, if they, if they own the houses or if they're squatting, not really squatting, what we look at is what we call tenure, um, the conditions under which persons are working. And all of us as Jamaicans can remember during the COVID, when we went on to online learning, what we found was a significant portion of our children did not have access to internet. So it's, it is um, indicators like these that the census um, collects information on. And it's the only statistics um, product that you can get information at the community level. So, for example, we can talk about the employment in Jamaica. With the census, we can actually go down deeper, go down by parish. We will also be providing information at community level. So um, policymakers and even businesses, because you need to know if you're going to set up a business, where are persons living? What's the educational um, standard? What's the quality of housing? Is it what's the transport situation? So this provides that critical data 
that persons can make the information on. We do it just once every 10 years, and the reason is because it's so expensive. So most countries do it. But all countries in the world do a census because you need to have some detailed information on your population. And so what kind of information do we need? What topics are usually covered in the questionnaire? Okay, so in the questionnaire, there's a household questionnaire and there's an individual. The household questionnaire, when we go to the household, we want to find out things looking at this, how the household is built, the number of persons in that household. Um, we look at the housing structure, um, you know, if persons have access to electricity, water, that type of information on the structure of the household. Then we go to the individuals. You're looking at age and sex. You're looking at their um, employment status. You're looking at training, access to internet. Um, in the household, you're looking at access to electricity, access to water. Um, their transport situation, are persons actually do they own their own um, their cars or are they traveling by bus, taxi, what it is. So there are a number of indicators that we look at. We look at fertility because it's important for a country to understand whether um, what's the fertility situation. Is it improving or is it getting less or is it it's, or it's getting larger? Are there pockets where the inflate, where the fertility rates are high? And so government can target these um, and how to improve conditions for its population. Nice. And so we, when we hear some of the topics that we hear, fertility, <laughs> and we, we see the wide range of topics covered. Who came up with this questionnaire? How exactly was it developed? Okay, so these questionnaires, um, internationally, um, co countries have come together and look at some indicators and then they would provide guidance. But what we do at Statin, for nearly a two-year period, we had um, sessions with our stakeholders, whether they are government agency, private sector, NGOs, even the churches. So we would have had discussions with them, even the disability community, to find out what are the areas that you need information on. And we see at Statin if we can fit these um, needs into our questionnaire. As you go around um, administering the questionnaires in yes. this post-pandemic era, <laughs> Jay Simpson is asking, are there any security arrangements when you go to conduct the census? Because we probably don't want a stranger coming to our house. We're not sure about the health status of the persons doing the questionnaires because they're going from house to house. Are there any specific arrangements being made? Okay, when it comes to COVID-19, we will be providing PPEs, hand sanitizers for our um, interviewers um, and masks. Um, with, for the other areas of security, um, they will be having an ID. I know an ID is not, um, anyone can create an ID. But if the person tells you their name, you can, um, if you have access to internet, we will have their pictures on the website. So if the person tells you, okay, Carol Coy, um, you can search for Carol Coy and Carol Coy's picture will comes up and it will tell you exactly where. So for example, Carol Coy, if she's assigned to say Ligony, she cannot be working in say Patrick City. So if you are living in Ligony and um, when you look, you see that Carol Coy is, that is how we, um, we, we, we try and improve the security. Uh, we will also be providing a number that persons can call us and ask us. This person says they are Carol Coy and they are in, say, the Ligony area. Is this a genuine person? And we can advise you whether that person should be there. But oh, if, no, you, if, you, if you are uncomfortable, though, you can call us and we will make an arrangement to, um, to, to work with you um, to, so that your security is not compromised. Sounds like a good plan, but the funding side of it, no. Is that funded by the government or is there an international organization funding? Shebon uh, is asking the question. Okay, um, the census is funded by government. One of the things, ironically, you need to understand, Jamaica is um, classified as a middle income. Given what we think, um, it's classified as a middle income. And so it's difficult for you to get funding on the international market 
for countries. A lot of the countries in the Caribbean suffer this. So it is funded fully by government. And then when we think about collection of the data, mm -hmm. right, just going through all the points, collecting the data now, is it pen and paper, pencil and paper, or have we moved to electronic data taking? Um, Statin has moved um, from about 2013, it surveys um, to electronic. So we are using tablet computers. I know people will ask me about the web, but um, we have tried the web in Jamaica and persons, we really have problems with them um, filling that out um, by themselves. But it is fully funded. We will be using tablet computers um, this year. That sounds good. So as we, we wrap up um, this segment, why should persons participate in the census? Um, for the census, what we need to do, we, we, we claim, we keep on saying we want to be a developed country. We cannot be a developed country unless we make decisions based on, um, on data. And for anyone to have information, the census is critical. It is what will give persons the idea, because you can use this as, as an advocacy, because you can say to your, um, your MP, your government, um, when I look at the population of my community, it is so much and we don't have any facilities and you can use that information. And if you are in business, you can use it to help with research to help your business. And so one of the things I also need to emphasize is that the data is confidential. Starting under its act cannot give anybody, whether it's government, anyone at all, your private information. The information is published in an aggregated level. I can be prosecuted as Director General of Statin if I was to leak anybody's information. We are prohibited under the Statistics Act from doing that. So it's just to assure persons also that your information is confidential. So safe information, safe collection, electronic collection. So great. Thank you so much for being here. That's where we're going to leave it tonight. Thank you for joining us, Carl Coy. Director General at the Statistical Institute of Jamaica. Thanks for having me. All right, so we are on to our poll. And tonight's poll question is, Statin has reported that inflation numbers are trending downwards. What is your reaction to the news? Is it A, great, we need a break. B, it's not reflecting on my bills or expenses. I'm not feeling it. Or C, I'm still not getting paid enough, I don't care. Or D, other. Up next, we're going to have the market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. The JSC Combined Index declined last week, falling by 4,000 points or 1%. 118 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week, ending Friday, July 22, 2022. 50 advanced, 59 declined, and 9 stayed the same. 100 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $646 million. Dollar was the most traded stock, taking up 29% of market volume. People bought and sold almost 30 million shares in the company. The stock opened this week at $3.13. Wigton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares traded at the second highest volume, with people buying and selling nearly 13 million shares in the company. The stock's price lost 2 cents to open this week at 51 cents. And Trans Jamaican Highway rounded out the most traded, taking up 7% of market volume, with 7 million shares trading. The stock's price lost 1 cent to open this week at $1.39. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. One 3-8 student living variable preference was last week's biggest gainer, up 32%, to open the new week at $29.49. Paramount trading is up 25%, to open this new week at $1.88. And cargo handlers is up almost 18%, to open this new week at $13.22. On the losing side now, ISP Finance was last week's biggest loser, down 29%, to open Monday at $20.94.
PBS 9.75% cumulative redeemable was the second biggest loser, falling almost 27% to close last week at $80.04. And Portland JSX was down nearly 24% to close last week at $8. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the composite index was mostly flat last week. Massey Holdings was the most traded stock. It opened this week at $5 TT. Trinidad Cement was the market's biggest gainer, up almost 7%, to open this week at $3.81 TT. And on the losing side, Unilever Caribbean fell 5% to open the new week at $13.15 TT. Over in the U.S., the Dow Jones was up 1% last week, while the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq were both up 2%. Over at the pumps, there was a slight dip in gas prices last week as prices fell 25 cents. However, the prices of diesel went up by $3 each. In foreign exchange, it took an average $153.40 Jamaican to purchase one U.S. dollar last Friday. And on the crypto markets, Bitcoin fell almost 6% in the past five days, trading at 21,887 U.S. dollars on Monday, while Ethereum is up less than a quarter percent in the past five days, trading at $1,524 on Monday. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, is brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers. All right, it's now time for The Analyst. This is a bit strange because I'm usually on the other side, analyzing. But tonight over on the whole side, I saw uh, Kalila representing from Belize. Hello. Hey there, Kalila. All right, so tonight we're joined by Trader JMB, Shauna K. Kelly, and we have a guest analyst, Shanice Williams. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, so Shauna K., um, Trans Jamaica's first quarter results are out, the first quarter up to March of this year. What's your take on those results? All right, so... Um, over the last quarter, um, sorry, over the first quarter, 2021, we're seeing where there is about a 17% increase in earnings for the period. And I mean, when we look at this, we're seeing where for 2021, Transjam is in recovery stage. Um, when we look at Q4, and that's for 2020, when we were in the heights of the pandemic, heights of lockdown, um, we saw where per, um, persons were using the toll road less, and we saw where you know earnings dropped significantly. So as of 2021, they have been in recovery stage, and you know quarter over quarter, Q1 versus Q1 2021 versus Q1. 2022, we're seeing an increase. So that is something good. So then we have numbers looking better for Trans-Jamaica Highway. What do you say then? Does that reflect, we expect it to reflect in the price? Because we had a recent run-up in price, but back down now. What are right. your thoughts on that movement? All right. So, I mean, I'm expecting some um, movement in price um, year to date, which is um, calendar year to date. We're seeing where the stock is up 50, sorry, 16 percent or thereabout. So we're seeing where persons are seeing the opportunity to buy. Um, persons would have noted that the toll fee increased again for all users. And um, we're seeing where the stock price is below IPO price right now. So um, I guess some persons are looking at the dividend um, payment that is supposed to come from this and is seeing that, you know, they have an opportunity to make, uh, get an 8% in dividends. And so persons are jumping in at um, below IPO price. So nice entry point there and 8% dividends. That sounds very attractive. Denise, uh, what's your take on Transamerica? Any any insights on the numbers or the outlook for that stock? Um, insights? Well, probably what everybody else knows, but um, I believe they said they had one of their best um, 
numbers to date for the last quarter. So things are definitely coming back up for them. And they have a lot of very interesting future plans. I know they're expanding the toll road and they're expecting to have some more exit points on the toll road. And um, the big news for them, I think we heard last month that they bought the shares, the rest of the the, the um, East West shares from JIO, who they pay money to. So that's going to be a big chop to their expense line when um, all of that is fulfilled. And that's something that we should definitely look forward to hearing more about um, when we get the full details of that. That's going to be something very big and drastic for Trans Jamaica. And I suspect at that point, a lot more people are going to be looking towards that stock, not only for dividends, but for capital gains as well. All right, sounding good there. Let's move over to Flash Motors. Well, I see Daniel saying ladies representing tonight. I realize that we're looking cute on the frame there. Ladies represent money power. All right, so Shanice, you're talking about um, Flash Motors vision and bringing e-mobility to Jamaica. Yeah, so we heard last week from Dr. Clark that he... They, they passed the bill to lower the import duties on EVs, electric vehicles, from 30% to 10%, and also to eliminate the licensing fees um, for vehicles that are three years or younger for the next five years. Um, so this is a part of the whole Go Green movement that, that Jamaica has been on for some time now, and it's definitely going to not only impact the environment, but consumers' pockets as well in regards to fuel um, because enough people balling about gas price, no. So here's something that's going to possibly be coming in to help you with that. Um, it's not for right now. The EV space in Jamaica is still relatively small. I believe we have still less than 100 EVs on the road, but that's looking to grow immensely over the next couple of years. So they're expecting to have about 50,000 EVs by 2030. And Flash Motors is one of the central figures in that movement. So they're also working with the government. Um, little back, background on Flash Motors. So they're supposed to be Jamaica's first electric vehicle company. Um, it's a Canadian company, but it, or should I say it's run by Canadians. But it's supposed yeah. to be Jamaica's first EV company. And they are going to be providing, you know, a suite of EVs. They're also going to be providing the service equipment for EVs and the charging network solutions as well. And that's not only in Jamaica, that's actually throughout the Caribbean that they're looking to do that movement. And they've been working with the government for some time now. Um, the ministry is actually testing out some of their electronic vehicles before the full launch to the public and they're even looking at um ev fleets government fleets so we might even see some jutc evs on the road which is definitely going to cut down cost and be a lot better for the, the um emission in the environment and this is not only going to impact um flash motors who I suspect is going to have to be raising money and is going to be looking to the market, whether by debt or equity or both. So we're looking to hopefully get a piece of that as well because it sounds great. Um, but it does also have impact for other companies that are on the market right now. So Wigton Wind, Wind, Farm, Wind, Wigton Wind Farms, which is a main market company, they actually took an associate stake in the holding company that holds flash motors so they have a 21 percent stake in there so they're going to be directly impacted when flash motors really starts producing and not only wigton and flash but with the whole drop in the the, the import duty price there are other companies on the exchange that are also going to direct um benefit from that so we have jetcon corporation on the junior market which is um, a used car dealership. So they have actually been pushing for quite some time now for the government to incentivize bringing in the EVs. And they've been sitting and waiting. The company principal said he's definitely been waiting on this move and they're ready to move to bring in a lot more 
EVs, which is going to directly impact their expense line when that gets chopped from 10 to 30 and the licensing fees go down. And not only Jetcon, but we also have tropical batteries on the junior market that's moving further into the EV space. They have a new subsidiary, which is Tropical Mobility, which is focused on the whole um, bringing in, in, not just bringing in EVs, but uh, should I say, um, they, they're going to recycle the EV batteries from those as well as offer um, charging networks as well. So it's definitely going to be a big space and it's not going to just impact our pockets um, as consumers, but also as investors. And I think it's something that we should look forward to. It's not going to happen right now. The company is still very fresh and, well, Flash Motors is still very fresh, but I believe the the um, the resolution was passed on July 14th for the duty to be dropped. So we can start looking for that to impact some of the, the companies we just spoke about in the coming months. All right, so let me put on my analyst hat because I can't help it. <laughs> so seeing the linkages here, because Shanice, you're, you're connected a lot of dots. Orville said it, you're connected a lot of dots from an investment perspective. So as we, we look at different opportunities across the Jamaica stock exchange, we see different companies that stand to benefit. Trans Jamaica also stands to benefit indirectly from this as well. So Shanake, what's your take on the connection now between that flash motors, EVs, the increased incentive, incentive to bring EVs into the country and now linking it back to Trans Jamaica? All right, so um, Keisha, let's look at it now. Um, as it, as Shani said earlier, we're not too ready for that market yet because as it is, we know that EVs are expensive. Um, so for the Trans-Jamaica Highway, here's how we're looking at it. Okay, they're putting in more exits on the current highway that's the, um, the leg from ferry to Maypen. They're going to be putting in more exit. It means that now we can have customers coming in, whether choosing whether or not to use the full length of the highway or to use a part of it, depending on their pocket. And we do have to remember that this is an inelastic product. So whether or not toll rate increase, persons are going to continue to use it, not just because... Um, of the time, but the alternative roads are really no good because we know Jamaican roads and who wants to, you know, get trapped or lost in potholes when we could be riding smoother. So, but let's let's even link it when we think about EVs cheaper on maintenance costs yeah. from a gas perspective right so you want to know take more trips you're <laughs> you way in the cost of the toll versus the gas that you would have to spend and another back to trans jamaica another thing to keisha where you know with the gas we can now just charge our cars and go so um trans jamaica is supposed to finish the Maypen to Williamsfield leg of the highway. No, that is going to make commute into Mandeville quicker. No, we can run down for the for um a Sunday evening with friends, family. Remember too that they're also planning to do a leg from Williamsfield into St. Elizabeth. So that will now push persons who wouldn't normally want that long commute going down Spur Tree. Persons are now going to be you know more willing to drive that route instead of going around um Oche, Mobe, Trelawney, then to Westmoreland. They can quickly go through um St. Elizabeth and reach Westmoreland in two hours or less. So that that will increase revenue for them. And again guys remember they will be doing their price increase or their toll increase yearly. And while we might see a slowdown in users, 
persons won't stop using it because of the convenience. So, I mean, that then and there um, is going to be something that push yeah, revenues. And, and as Shani said, they would have acquired JIO, that's Jamaica Infrastructure Organization, and that, that organization gets about 50% of Trans-Jamaica Highway um, expense. And so if you're able to incorporate that, you can get some synergies out of that and some savings. And, you know, that's more money for the bottom line for Trans-Jamaica. So, I mean, all in all, it looks pretty well for Trans-Jamaica. So lots of synergies. Daniel is saying exciting prospect. It really is exciting. Direct Tech is asking, will the JPS infrastructure be able to handle all of these EVs charging? Do you want to take that, Shanice? I mean, I can't speak for JPS. I know they've been working on it. I know um, they've definitely been investing in it. Um, they have a lot more to do, I suspect, which is especially why we're not fully ready for that to happen. Um, but it's something that they've mentioned building out and investing more in. Yeah, that definitely is going to have to happen. And Arch is saying energy still has to come from somewhere at the end of the day. And so electricity rates are really low. People teeth in light all of us. So the prospects will come in. They, they will come in. But on the international markets, clean energy, green energy is a major investment theme right now. It has to come to Jamaica. It is coming. So lots of opportunities there for sure. And even spill-offs into FESCO. I see um, legendary G production is saying, don't forget FESCO because they stand to have some form of spillover as well. Probably positive, negative, depends on how you look at it. But definitely there will be some impact to the FESCO. Um, Keisha, can I add to that the government yes. has um, put in place something to ensure that the market is not flooded with EVs um, above what we can manage. So I think the cap is a thousand EVs per year for the next five years. So, I mean, while the infrastructure is now coming in, um, flash motors, I think, will help with the infrastructure as well. Um, mm -hmm. Government is ensuring that, you know, they're not biting off more than they can chew. All right, and then Wickton Ramoy Robert is saying, can Wickton benefit from EVs? I think Shani spoke to that. So probably you want to give a little <laughs> quick snippet summary on the Wickton um, benefits. So Wickton actually um, bought directly into it. So they have uh, a 21% stake in the company that holds fresh motors so they're going to be directly impacted definitely by um flash motors numbers and i suspect they will be in in fact impacted um in other ways as well when we start looking at the infrastructure and everything that's needed to really get that up and running how it should be yeah so green energy clean energy big Big, big trend, it, it requires a whole analysis in and of itself in terms of opportunities for different companies on the market. So thank you, Shana K. Kelly, trader at JMB, and Shanice Williams, our guest analyst, for joining us tonight. Women, I love it. <laughs> All right, so we are going to wrap in to our final segment. This segment of The Analysts was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers. Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilareynolds.com slash store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. All right, so let me take a couple of the comments. I've been, I've been reading along and quite engaging. I see... Orville saying that a whole space of synergies in clean energy for sure. That is a it's a big investing theme. It is holy for opportunity, both from an investment consumer perspective. Lots of synergies there for sure. Absolutely. Kalila has been commenting. Big up yourself, Kalila. I see you. 
and I'm very, <laughs> very happy you're here watching. Uh, we'll be there tomorrow. All right, so let me see what else is here. Solar panels looking really attractive for a long time. Yes, that's that's a whole other area as well where we think about possible investments for sure. And when we talk about energy, people teething light, that's a whole other area of it. Yes, uh, Donovan James, Keisha, well done, love the ladies tonight. Yes, it was great seeing that, you know, women, finance, talking about analysis. Love to see that because it's just very inspiring. So that's our show for this week. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure like the video, subscribe to this channel, and share it with a friend. Subscribe also to Kalila's newsletter. That's kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter. Reminding you also, when you subscribe to her newsletter, you will get a copy of her free broker guide. It is very, very informative. Make sure you get that. Also, turn on your post notifications so that you can be the first to see your features. And as always, she wants to be able to help people to learn more about money so we can all get the money together. Follow Kalila on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok as well, Kalila Ray. And also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there as Profit Jumpstarter. And on Twitter, Profit Jumpstart. Follow KRM Business News as well on Instagram. So lots of following, lots of subscribing, lots of commenting. Make sure you're connected and engaged. That's really it at the end of the day. And if you want to connect with any of the analysts that were on, whether Shauna K or Shanice, their description and their contact information will be in the description box below. Also make sure, one more thing, visit kalilareynolds.com if you need any financial information that you can use, however you like it, watch, listen, read, implement. Now, make sure, tell a friend about taking stock live, make sure you're back next week, investing is the new sexy as they say so let's make it cool to talk about money that's what we're all about i'm keisha bailey good night everyone bye let's get this money <laughs>